Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, one of the co-hosts, joined by Isaac Adams. How are you doing, Isaac? Doing well, man, uh, here uh, down in Birmingham. Can I tell you a quick Birmingham history? Yes. Because I think this is fascinating. Uh, we meet in an old historic church that we don't own, but I was uh, meeting with the senior pastor of that church. church was built in 1910, and the first black member did not join this church until—do n- you have a guess? You said the church started in 1910. Yeah, 1910. I'm going to go— 95. Oh, that's a, that's a good guess. This is 89. So that's okay. the year I'm born. And I was just struck by that. I was like, man, my goodness. Anyway, so learning a lot down here. Um, and a pastor very humble, very honest about the church's history. So yeah, it was useful. Yeah. So doing well, uh, learning lots. Yeah, man. Good to hear your voice. Good to be with you. You have a uh, scripture you wanted to take us to in our time this morning? Yeah. So it's funny. The church, the text I preached on in view of a call at this church was the parable of the persistent widow. I'm just now realizing this, but I wanted to look at the the parable of the tax collector. When Jesus says two men went up in the temple to pray, much of like what we give ourselves this work we're doing on this podcast. One, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And really, um, in some sense, what we're going to be talking about is pharisaicalism today. And it strikes me that uh, that parable comes right after just, you know, seeing this tax collector who cries out to God, have mercy on me, a sinner, but also this, uh, this widow who would have been looked down on and despised, and how God hears her prayers as well. So in between that widow and uh, this tax collector, you see this posture that Jesus is saying, don't have, uh, and that is one of self-righteousness. And I think Satan is exploiting that kind of self-righteousness to tear apart our churches, which he has a vested interest in doing, especially when it comes to this conversation about race. Uh, So let me pray for us, man, and let's hop into it. Father, we pray that we would be humble. Your, your word says, uh, it asks, what, what, does it, what do you require of us but that we love mercy and do justice and walk humbly with you? Father, we know there can be no justice doing without humble walking. And so, Father, we pray that we would walk with you humbly and that even this conversation would help us do that as we think about these matters of race and ethnicity, racism and the gospel and becoming aware of these matters. And, and, we, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Isaac, the episode today is about cage stage. What do we mean by saying someone is in the cage stage? Yeah, I think just as kind of uh, a simple kind of shorthand is uh, those are the early days of discovering a paradigm shifting truth compared to what you used to know to be the case. So uh, you can think of someone coming to understand the depths of Reformed theology uh, and their eyes are opened anew 
uh, and they love it, right? And they want everyone else to love it. So while we talk about the cage stage, is you kind of need to be put in a cage because you're just you're tearing other people, maybe other churches apart, and this is all you talk about. This is all, like your zeal, your 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 knowledge may be little as you've learned something new and you're just learning about it, but your zeal is on 100, and so you are just kind of rabid about whatever paradigm shifting truth you've just discovered. So this is a scenario to use a football metaphor because I know you're in Alabama now and that's all you all you can do. Like that's true. I have been to Tuscaloosa. Yes. Zeal has so far outkicked the coverage of discernment that yes. the person is inbound. Did I do did I do good? Yes, yes. That's very good football language, my friend. Yes, yes, that is exactly right. So who can get cage stageness? Man, that is such a good question. Anyone can get cage stages. And I think, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about today is I think often, you know, we off, we, we, we try to discern errors on all sides. And um, any, but to, the short end is anyone. So, you know, folks, let's say, we'll just call it to the right can get cage stage and folks to the left can also get cage stage and, uh, and folks in the middle can get it. So it's not, we're not advocating just centrism, uh, but anyone can get it. So as, a ta- as we're talking about matters of race, so you're envisioning someone who for the first time sort of understands that there are racial injustices and when they first understand it, they get really fired up and think, the measure of a good Christian is how much you care about this. And they go around picking all the fights. That would be sort of one scenario of cage stageness. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's exactly right. And I, you know, I think a lot of us know, or even were that person in our churches. And I want to be clear, like, praise God, someone sees injustice for what it is. Right. Uh, so this isn't meant to condemn, but I think a lot of the times people wind up shooting themselves in the foot and the very, the very people they need to convince or are trying to convince, they actually harden in their positions because of their lack of discernment about how, how to go about these issues. So yes, I'm very much thinking of that person who, instead of building bridges is really just burning them. And instead of building up the church is really just tearing it down in the name of something so good. And that's where Satan can get so crafty and so deceptive. The very, the very um, honorable and virtuous desires we begin with, we actually, they actually morph on us and we actually wind up becoming the very things we hate. So there can be Pharisee. That person can quickly become uh, a kind of Pharisee uh, because they, you know, they've read the book, they've they've had whatever experience it may be, uh, and now they think everyone about them is just a you know white supremacist without a hood on, and uh, that's gonna be you're gonna have a hard time. Or a Marxist on the other side of it. Or a Marxist, right? Yeah, or that's right. Or a Marxist on the other side. Exactly right. Uh, so you're gonna have a hard time convincing folks if that's uh, the posture with which you're going to go about things. And I appreciate that you started that answer by saying there is something commendable about it. Zeal is a good thing. Right. Provided that it's paired with discernment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where Proverbs 19—I mean, Proverbs is all about wisdom. And it says, you know, Proverbs 19, when you make haste with your feet, you miss your way. But that's not saying—but Proverbs 31 also talks about speaking up for the voiceless and doing justice. So Proverbs isn't anti-justice. It's just justice with wisdom. So talking about cage stageness, what can we do about it? So in the first case, how do we help guard our own heart from it? Yeah, I think you want to remember, first of all, I think there's, we've been talking about humility and pride. I think you want to remember when you're new to something, you're still new, 
right? So you, you make rookie mistakes. And I think it's easy to think, okay, I know enough about this to, to, to get, I've read these couple books. Now I'm an expert when you're not. So I think there's just a humbling to recognize, hey, I'm new to this still. And how, guarding our own hearts is remembering once for one, until you read that book, until you had this experience or, you know, uh, you, th- you used to think in the very way you look down on. And I think sometimes there can be a, this kind of reactionary kind of shame driven uh, zeal where I'm doing this because I feel so bad for what I did. And that's the good news we have in Christ is that uh, he has taken our shame. So, yes, maybe those things you used to do or think were shameful, uh, but Christ has dealt with. And then a second. So that. A second thing is just to remember you are still a sinner, even if you understand more of uh, whatever particular truth or injustice you've come to see, you still are at the foot of the cross with, you know, the proverbial tax collector, the proverbial racist, the proverbial Marxist. Uh, You are no better than them. And it's really easy in our hearts uh, for righteousness, a righteous desire to turn into a self-righteous desire. It's really easy for righteous anger to turn into ungodly anger. And we have to be careful of that. So some of that is just having a healthy skepticism of yourself. A second thing I think you can do, Austin, is just get around black Satan. In this instance, let's just deal with that person you you mentioned. Um, the person who's super passionate all of a sudden about racial justice. I want to encourage that person to get around some saints who have been suffering for a long time. Uh, because often a mistake and a pitfall of youth uh, is impatience and just rashness, just hastiness. And we've talked about how you can miss your way with that. And I think often the youthful can look at those who have been suffering a long time and think they're just given over to ungodly resignation or compromise, uh, when really it's not ungodly resignation. What that saint is modeling is perseverance and patience and a godly patience. Uh, so I want, I love the urgency of the now, right? Like I'm in Birmingham, Kings, the letter of... Um, the anniversary of Letter from a Birmingham Jail, 60th anniversary is coming up where, you know, people who are like, hey, slow down, slow down. I, I get that. I, I'm for that. And yet I think we're also in somewhat of a different context. So uh, I think to, you know, put a put a bow on it, one healthy skepticism of your own sinful heart that Jeremiah says is so sick, who can understand it? And two, uh, learning from others, because you're going to have a hard time suffering with black people if you're just, if you're outrunning them. So what about helping someone else through cage stageness? You mean, so you're the, you're not the cage stage, but you, you know, this person uh, who you're trying to, who you're trying to help. Yes. Say I learn something new tomorrow and become cage stage about it. How do you help me? Yes, this is definitely a hypothetical in our relationship, isn't it? I'm playing. I think you want to sit with that person and be like, you know, I love, I love your zeal, right? Uh, but especially in, you know, we're talking about local churches. You have to, the person has to realize, I think you want to re- help them realize a couple of things. Number one, you can turn a jet ski around really quickly. It takes a long t- longer time to turn around a cruise ship. So you just can't just, you know, make an about face, especially without throwing people off the top of the deck. Uh, and you want to love those people. Like Jesus came and he bore with you in your foolishness. So again, remembering that there, hey, there was once upon a time where on, on any given topic, I was a complete idiot. And people for people 
forbeared with me. But also realizing, hey, it's a lot easier to burn a house down than it is to build one. So, you know, something Dr. King talked about often uh, was creative energy we, and creative wisdom. We need that kind of energy to actually create things and build, not just tear down. Uh, and then the third thing is just thinking about, okay, how do people actually change? How is it that people actually change? And I, it's not through coercion or shame. That's not how people change. Maybe you get some immediate change of like, hey, I'll do this because I feel bad, but uh, the, no lasting change. And we want to think about how people actually change on these topics, which I can speak to some of my thoughts on that, but you're the host, my friend, so I do your will. Well, let's keep going through this. Say, because you're speaking in the context of a church, say you've got someone who is cage stage on race, really fired up about racial justice, and someone totally on the other end who is just apathetic on matters of race. They're in the same church together. How do right. they live together in peace? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be clear, I think the other end would be not just apathetic, but flat out antagonistic. So, but for your example, uh, in terms of how they live together in peace, I think you want to, I think, you know, I think the case, you know, the person who's in the cage stage needs to realize like, hey, I can't, if I'm going to run alongside this church, I can't just sprint ahead of them. I'm actually linking arms with them. So I think you want to, that person wants to enter in uh, saying like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about some things. And even some ways I feel like you could grow, you could grow and feel like I've been challenged to grow. So understanding, trying to frame it in a way of, hey, I think this is about faithfulness, not just something I'm excited about or passionate about. Because we have to realize like there are going to be, we all have different callings in life. We all are called to be just. So I'm not saying some of us should, are allowed to care about justice and others aren't. Uh, but, you know, the cage, often I find that folks in kind of cage stage don't realize there is a difference between the church gathered and the church scattered. What do I mean? I mean, the, the church gathered is the collective body that gathers on Sunday. And what the church scattered, the individuals, they all have different callings in life. So me as an individual Christian, it might be right for me to participate in this march, but I can't get up on Sunday and bind everyone's conscience saying, thou must participate in this march if thou are to be faithful as regards racial justice. And so having that caveat in mind and that speed in mind really helps to say, hey, I'm not saying you have to do X or Y or Z, but have you thought about this? I think this is an area of faithfulness our church can grow. And likewise, I think, and I think the apathetic person wants, you want to hear that. So in terms of listening and, um, or in terms of learning and peace, Proverbs says very clearly that it's the wise who can actually receive a rebuke or an exhortation. It actually goes deep into us. Uh, so just following those biblical postures. And I think that's a lot different than you are such a racist. I can't believe you. And I'm done with you in this church. So I was thinking about this idea of cage staginess, and I was thinking about the Bible, and I was wondering, do you have any theories of someone in the Bible who suffered from cage staginess? Man, that is a good question. Someone in Scripture. Because I have one. <laughs> it sounds like you do. I mean, like, Peter was kind of in a perpetual my, cage yes, stage. Right. Like, uh, and the grand irony is, you know, on this topic, you know, Acts 2, Peter was the one who was out of step with the truth of the gospel, Paul said, when he shrunk back from, uh, you know, eating with the Gentiles. And Paul's like, you are out of step. So if Peter, if Peter 
could be out of step. How much more can we? But yes, Peter, I mean, rushing to cut off dude's ear. Jesus like, stop that. My kingdom is not like that. Uh, do not think, you know, my father uh, could send down these legions of angels. And so, uh, yeah, and I think we often see Peter and we shake our head at Peter, but we are often Peter. And look how much Jesus loves Peter. So uh, again, like for those of us who get really excited and maybe say some things we shouldn't say or do some things we shouldn't say, remember like the father still receives us, loves us, reaffirms and uh, restores us as his disciples so much. So his patience would be a lesson, a lesson for us as we are patient with others. Was there a particular scene with Peter you were thinking of, Austin? Oh, so many examples with him. Like even just Jesus, we found other people talking about you and we told them to stop. Like, yeah, yeah, Mark 9. That's right. right. That's right. I mean, all yeah, over the place. Right. But like you say, Jesus still loves Pete and, and is patient with him. And that's God's heart towards us, even when we're being more zealous than we are wise. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he's like, yeah, that's right. We told him to stop. It's amazing. But it really I'd probably is. say the same. I'd probably say the same thing. Right. Can you think of a better example from scripture? With, oh man, with Cage Stage. Someone who exhibited better wisdom and zeal, perhaps in perfect tension? I mean, I, I think you're talking about Jesus. I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there we have. And look, I mean, like the man flipped tables in the temple. But I like what Keller said, you know, the, person, the only person who has the right to rearrange furniture in the house is the owner. And so about that scene with Jesus flipping tables, because I often hear people talking about, you know, we won't be like Jesus flipping the tables. I'm like, yeah, Jesus also forbeared with people for 30 years and like was tender uh with people and so yes he did call out the religious folk and when no unclear terms uh but he was also that was not his only speed and sometimes i fear that people reduce the prophetic task only to confrontation when the prophets also comforted god's people Ezra 5 is really good about this. I think that chapter begins, the prophets were with the people of God, supporting them in their work. And so I think we'd want to see that. But yes, I think we see Jesus doing that in perfect tension and would that we have a fraction of his wisdom. And I think you can, I mean, it's, it's bad Bible reading to use an example and imply from that the permission to disobey an explicit command. So we are told yes. to be kind. We are told to be patient. Right. And if those yes. things don't mark our ministry and our excuses, well, I, I saw this incident in scripture, therefore I don't have to listen to these explicit commands. That's just bad Bible reading. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's like the Bible says, don't get drunk. Well, Jesus turned water into wine. That's just, that is just horrible Bible reasoning reading. Yeah. So wrap it up for me here. Uh, there is a way to advocate for, justice without sacrificing kindness or wisdom or discernment yes there is i mean uh i mean this is what i mean i do think king was in many senses a paragon of this i mean just the kindness on the man's tongue with all that uh was happening and he was when he was dealing with and though i have one extra thing i want to throw in um I want to, I, what i'm telling someone is not to lose the fire because that's i mean I feel like what often happens is you either have the zeal, you have the fire, or you have the wisdom. And the really, I mean, just dangerous in the best sense of the word, folks, for the kingdom are the people who have both, who they have that steady zeal. 
and they have that steady wisdom in how to direct it. That person uh, is exciting to be around even uh, and inspiring. And so, um, yeah, so we're not saying that. We're saying, hey, do it with wisdom. Do it with wisdom. Amen. I mean, God forbid the two ends of the pole be, you know, zeal without knowledge and then the other end be cynicism. Yeah, that's right. And knowledge without without zeal. It's like what good if you don't love anybody, if you don't love your neighbor, what good is knowing all the with all the wisdom in the world? And so what I was going to what I meant to say is um what I want to encourage that person to do is carry that burden to the Lord. And and in those groans of Lord, I want this to change. I've seen this. I want this to change instead of just breathing fire uh on everyone around you. Uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. He he can he will hear all your groans. You can't you can't burn his eyebrows off like you can other people. Like take it to the Lord in prayer, which is a is a good segue to what uh, we're trying to do here. But I want to uh, highlight something you've not done on this podcast that I think is wise and uh, useful. So can I go ahead and do that? Go ahead. So I think uh, a lot of people would use the shorthand term for the person we're talking about as woke, the cage stage of wokeness, if you will. Uh, and you were very very. Uh, Austin-like and not using that term, uh, very, very, uh, very subtle. Um, and why I think that's helpful, Austin, is J.L. Packer was talking about this uh, in his book, Fundamentalism and the Word of God, obviously uh, on a different topic. But he was talking about that label, the labeling of people and how prejudicial labels of people necessarily rule out charitable and constructive conversation. So now, you know, woke has become this, you know, way to kind of tar and feather someone. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's not helpful. Like, that's what makes people feel defensive. Once people feel mis- uh, unaccurately labeled, they get defensive and, you know, and that can happen on both sides. We've been focusing on kind of that person super passionate about racial justice, but it can easily happen in the dr- other direction as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that was useful because we got to have that whole conversation without dealing with the baggage of a label. We will link to an article in the show notes, but I I wrote an article a while back just arguing just retire that term if you mean it pejoratively. Um yeah. It's it's unhelpful. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. Well let's uh I mean we talked about uh we talked about uh taking these burdens to the Lord. Why don't we do that together, man? Great. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you that we have a perfect example um, who is also our Savior, but someone we can look to who exhibited perfect wisdom, was zealous for you and for your truth. And Lord, we just ask for your help to do the same. It's so easy for us to get out of whack in any number of directions and to be excited in a way that makes us harmful. We are so susceptible to that. And we ask for your help. We ask for your protection. We ask for all of us who listen to this podcast and who are praying along, Lord, help make us useful in our churches. Make us kind. Make us winsome. Give us zeal and give us discernment to go with it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, your, your word says that the days are evil and they're short. And yet your word says you are not slow to, as some count slowness to fulfill your promises for uh, a thousand years or but a night and a day to you. So Lord, as we live in this tension of urgent urgency, 
and zeal and yet patience and wisdom. Lord, would you give us uh, would you give us wisdom as to how these things can go together in our lives as we seek to serve others? We we know the good Samaritan saw the man and helped him right there. Uh, and yet, Lord, we know Peter would often go around and just bludgeon his way through things. And yet we see how you use Peter. And Father, we pray that you would do that with us, Lord. We pray that uh, anyone listening to this would not be unnecessarily discouraged or unnecessarily proud of how they have or haven't handled things, but trust you for your grace. Father, we pray that we would not be the accuser of others. Lord, we know that the church already has an accuser uh, before God and men, and we don't need to add to that yet. Lord, we pray that we, like the prophets, would support the people in the good they're doing, and at appropriate times, call out the people for uh, sins that need to be repented of. But Lord, may we do that always with an eye, and even a bigger eye, toward our own sin. Lord, keep us humble, we pray, and help us to do this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Everything to God.